Well, good morning, APA. My name is Pastor Roy, and we're so excited that today, through the means of technology, we're still able to meet. One of the things we're doing as a church in order to honor the wishes of our government, our leaders, our authority, is to social distance. But just because we're social distancing doesn't mean that we have to relationally distant or spiritually distant. In fact, in this very trying time, my hope is that when this pandemic is in the rearview mirror, that you'd be able to say that I've never felt more connected to Jesus or to my church family. And although the doors to the physical church are closed, the church does not lie dormant. Hopefully if you're in a, a life group, you've been checking in on the other people in your life group and supporting each other. Our youth group is still meeting. They're meeting through video technology, through video conferencing. They're doing discipleship. And on Wednesday nights, we've also, through video conferencing, found a way that we can all get together and pray. Our, our group on Wednesday had more than 14 different feeds. It was more, maybe close to 20 people that were all praying together for, all, for the needs of our country, for our, for our town, and for other people. And it was a really, really encouraging time. Now, if you're a person who's intimidated by technology, trust me, it's very, very easy. I've even made a tutorial that I emailed out to show you how step-by-step step, you can get into, one of those, into our prayer meeting on Wednesday night. This week, Pastor Justin and I are also launching one-minute daily devotionals Monday through Friday just to get your day started off right. This morning, I want to look at something that everyone needs. Now, if you're saying that's toilet paper, you're probably right. However, I believe there's something that it doesn't matter who you are. If you're a follower of Jesus or if you're not, if you've joined, joined us this morning and you're not sure where you stand with God, you're not sure if you even believe in a God that, that oversees everything, this applies to you as well. No matter who you are, the thing that we need during this time of uncertainty and chaos is hope. Don't we all need hope right now? I, I think we do. We're going to start a series starting today called Hope Arise. Today I want to wrestle with a question for the rest of our time together. And that question is, where does my hope come from? Again, in a world that is shaken, in a world where we can get weighed down under the negative news of all the things that are scrolling across our TV, if you can't answer this question, where does my hope arise? Or where does my hope come from? It's going to lead to some devastating consequences in your life. If you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, I believe you should have an answer to this question. I believe that you should know where your hope comes from and what it's rooted in. So when the storms come, and make no mistake, we're in the middle of one now, that you can stand firm and confidently in your faith. Think back to when you were a kid. And you were, sick for, you were sick and you were home from school. One of the best parts of staying home from school was that you got to watch shows you normally never got to watch. There were shows that were not on because you were at school. For me, one of the best shows to watch and always came on at 11 o'clock in the morning was The Price is Right. There was nothing better than watching someone have their name called, they come running down the aisle, and they get to play a game like Plinko, or my favorite was the Yodler game. And while Drew Carey is okay, there was no one better than Bob Barker. Bob Barker was that reassuring game show host 
that just made everything better, even when you were homesick. The other thing that was really interesting about watching The Price is Right is the commercials. The commercials were not aimed at me as a kid. The commercials were not G.I. Joe or He-Man, which I realize I'm probably revealing my age right now. But the commercials were aimed at a much older audience. The commercials were aimed at a retired audience. It was commercials like this one. Do you remember the lady with the famous line, Help! I've fallen and I... That's right, can't get up. Classic. Or there was a commercial for the chairlift that would lift you up the stairs. I play in a men's basketball league. Do you have any idea how many nights after basketball I wish I had a chairlift that would take me upstairs to go to bed? But the weirdest ones were always medication commercials. These ones were strange because the people that they showed in the commercials, they never looked like they needed medication. They're walking around, walking their dog, they're on horseback, they're tobogganing. And if you watch the commercial on mute, you would have no idea, you would never guess that it was a medication commercial. But if you pay attention, there's always this part in where someone comes on and reads really fast the potential side effects of the medicine. And when you listen to the side effects, they actually sound worse than the issue that you're medicating. And they say it really fast, or it's in small fine print. And it says a list of side effects that might read like might read that this will cause headaches or stomach cramps or nausea. Here's a really bad one: oily discharge, loss of appetite, memory loss, and in some cases, death. And you begin to wonder: Am I better off with the condition than the side effects? But that's the requirement of the commercials: the fine print. Because it needs to be there to warn you of potential harm. But going back to this topic of hope, followers of Jesus, we often claim to have hope, but we spout off our own fine print. I have hope as long as, and then we deliver our fine print, our circumstances. I'm okay. I have hope as long as I have a job. I have hope as long as there's money in the bank. I have hope as long as my relationship is good. I have hope as long as my life and my career seems certain. But where does my hope come from when it feels like the fine print is actually the headline? Where does my hope come from when everything doesn't seem like it's very certain? Well, Jesus was talking one time, and John records his words in John chapter 16. And when you read through this verse very slowly, it actually almost seems to contradict itself. But I want to walk through it because Jesus addresses this topic of where can I find hope in the midst of uncertainty? Here's what he says in verse 33. He says, I have told you these things. Well, what is he referring to? Well, in John chapter 14, 15, and 16, Jesus says things like, I am the vine, you are the branches, apart from me, you will not do well. He says, I am leaving and I'm sending you a comforter. We just finished a series on the Holy Spirit. We looked how God lives inside us as a comforter. I could really use that comfort right now. You see, he says, guys, I'm telling you these things because I'm going to die and rise again and then I'm going to leave. And he says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. But peace is such an incredible word. Peace is the opposite of what some of us are feeling right now. But Jesus gives us this recipe for finding peace. I have told you these things so that in me 
you have peace. Peace is not a figure in a bank account. It's not found in the perfect relationship. It's found in the presence of someone, and that someone is Jesus. I have told you all these things so that in me you may have peace. Then he takes everything he just told us and he flips it upside down. In this world, you will have trouble. That's your comforting words, Jesus? You didn't even say might. I want you to say if I devote my life to you and follow you, then favor will follow me. I want, I want if I follow you, sunny days will follow me. My relationships, my finances, my health, I want them to be all immune from hardship. That's what I can get behind. But Jesus doesn't say that. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. And there's something underlying this statement. He's saying that this world isn't all there is. There's another reality that is coming. And in this world, this isn't where your hope is found. This world isn't all there is. If your hope is rooted in, it, in what you've experienced, it's easy to feel quite hopeless. As followers of Jesus, we have hope that it that we have hope that it's not our circumstances that we put our hope in. Our hope is not found in the next announcement from our prime minister. Or our hope is not found in the next breaking news story. So again, Jesus says, in this world you'll trouble. And somebody is like, come on, Jesus. Just, can you be a little more positive? And Jesus would say, I am positive. I'm positive you will have trouble. This is the promise of this world. Life will not always go the way you want it to go. And you know this. So Jesus says, through me you can have peace, but in this world you will have trouble. And then he takes it one step further and he says, but take heart. And this phrase, take heart, means to take courage. The courage is internal. Courage has nothing to do with circumstances. It has nothing to do with how you feel. He says, in me you may have peace. In this world, in your current circumstances, you will have trouble. But take heart or have courage. And the reason we can have courage is because of this next phrase. I have overcome the world. So Jesus makes this bold statement. You can have peace even though there will be trouble. And you can take courage because I have overcome the world. He says, whatever you're facing, whatever you're going to face, I have literally already overcome it. So the question that we've wrestled with already is, where does my hope come from and where does my peace come from? But the next question that I want to look at is, what grounds me in it? In the book of Hebrews, and we don't exa exactly know who the author of Hebrews is, but the author of Hebrews wrote this verse, and the verse is poetic. and has incredible imagery. But in Hebrews 6.19 it says, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Now I'm not a huge boat person, but a number of years ago I was out on the Atlantic Ocean off the coast of Newfoundland, and we were fishing. And we were in this smaller boat, and all of a sudden a storm came out of nowhere. Now we were anchored out there on the water. And the job of the anchor is to keep, your, keep you firm in your spot when the waves come in. That you're not dragged off with the tide or not dragged off with the storm. You're locked in, you're firm, you're secure. And the author of Hebrews says that this hope that you have 
is the anchor for your soul. When the wind and the waves of life come, and they will come, that we can be firm and secure in that hope. What is the hope that we have? What becomes the anchor for our soul in the middle of the storms of life? Let me suggest this. It's the cross of Jesus. And if you're not a church person, or maybe you went to church as a kid, you might even wear a cross as a necklace, or maybe you have a cross tattoo. The cross is symbolic, but what it represents is a big deal. The cross of Jesus represents the hope that we have. The cross of Jesus is the anchor to which followers of Jesus attach the hope of their lives. The cross represents the finished work of Jesus. The sacrifice Jesus made on the cross is the anchor of our soul. Let me show you three reasons why the cross of Jesus is the anchor of our hope. <clears throat> At the cross, we see God's love for us. I don't know about you, but in the most difficult seasons of my life, when the world just seems kind of dark and hopeless, I can let my mind go to a place where I think God either doesn't care about me, or maybe he's forgotten about me. But when the cross is my anchor, I can look at the most incredible act of love ever known to mankind, and I see it's here where God's love is shown for us. And John, one of Jesus' disciples, is nearing the end of his life, and he writes this in 1 John 4.10. He says, this is real love. So if you ever find yourself in this place where you think God could never love you, look at God's love through this lens. He says, this is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. One of the problems with our modern view of, of love is that it's tied to feelings. Feelings can be indicators, but they are not always truth tellers. Feelings can lead us astray. And this verse shows us that love is something that is demonstrated, not just merely felt. A love that is, that is not demonstrated holds no value. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. And then he demonstrated it. He sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Let me ask you a question. What is anything actually worth? How much are you willing to pay for an item that how much you're willing to pay for an item determines what it's actually worth. Now one of my prized possessions is my Michael Jordan autographed hat. I got this hat autographed by Michael Jordan. My my favorite basketball player of all time. It's probably the only autograph I ever wanted. If you ask me how much do I think this is worth, I might say, well, if you want to buy it from me, you can buy it for a million dollars. And most people are going to go, I'm not paying a million dollars for that. So it's not worth a million dollars unless somebody wants to pay a million dollars. So what you're willing to pay is what it's worth. So how much are you worth? How much are you worth? How much did God, does God love you? How much did he love you? He loved you so much that he sent his son to lay down his life for you. Have you ever felt worthless, that you have no value, that you, you need to know that the price that God was willing to pay for you and for me is greater than anything that you can imagine? 
This is real love, says John. At the cross, we see God's love. Also at the cross, we see that God is never not in control. Let that sink in for a second. There is never a time that God is not in control. So often we feel like our world is uncertain. We cling to the fact that God is always in control. But when our world is in turmoil, we look at God like he's just, maybe he's taking his hand off the wheel. Maybe he no longer cares. But when you follow Jesus, you begin to understand he's actually in control. But he also gives us absolute freedom to choose to do right or to do wrong. And I don't always understand how those two play together, but they really do. God is never not in control. And our third reality is this. At the cross, we see that God can use the worst moments for eternal good. At the cross, we see that no matter how dark and defining our worst moments seem, God can use them for eternal good. If I'm honest, I have watched some dark moments of people around me. And I've watched some of the things that they've had to walk through, they've had to go through. People who love God. And it's hard to not wonder, God, where are you in all of this? Do you even care? And in the midst of those circumstances, it's really hard to see what's going on. But I have been able to look back at times and see, in, despite the circumstances, that God was always at work in all of them. And there are times where you just can't help but think, could there ever be any redemption from this darkness? And yet God chooses to uses it, he uses it to accomplish more than we ever could know. See, God never promised no pain. At the cross, we see that the worst thing happened to the best person. Jesus, who lived this spotless life, was crucified on a cross. But God used that moment to affect your eternity and to affect mine. Which leads me back to the question, where does my hope come from? I would hope that, that you would know that your hope comes from one place and one place alone. And that's the finished work of Jesus on the cross. At the cross, we're reminded of his incredible love for us. At the cross, it is affirmed that he is never not in control. And at the cross, we see that in the worst, the darkest moments, God uses them for eternal good. So what would it look like today if we said, God, we trust that you are good, that you are in control, and that you will take what seems like darkness and turn it into light? My prayer for you is that in the middle of this season, in the midst of the uncertainty, and all of us are feeling it, trust me, we're all walking through it right now, that our hope would be anchored to the cross and the finished work of Jesus. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you that in the middle of the chaos right now, in the middle of uh, the uncertainty that we're walking through right now, God, that you are in control. And, and you displayed your love for us at the cross. You displayed your love for us through the sacrifice of your son for our sins. And God, through that, when we look to the cross, we understand how much you love us, that you are always, always in control. And God, that you can take the darkest things and you can make light and redeem them. And so God, I pray for uh, the person that's listening this morning, 
maybe they're get their fear is, is a little bit overwhelming and they're not sure about what's happening. I pray God that hope would arise within them. I pray that they would be able to look at you as their as their anchor God and that hope would arise in their spirit this morning. I thank you that you're a God who loves each and every person that hears my voice. And Lord, I ask this in your name. Amen. Now, I don't want to let today go without giving you an opportunity to begin a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're hearing about God's love for the first time. Or maybe you've, you consider yourself a Christian, but you didn't fully grasp how much God loves you. I want to give you the chance to surrender your life to Jesus. I want to give you the chance to let him be the anchor of your hope. If you'd like to follow Jesus today, it's so easy. It's as easy as praying this prayer, but then actually meaning it with your heart. And I hope, I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. You just have to say this, Jesus, today I give you my life. You take control. I ask you to forgive my sins. And from this day forward, I live for you. Thank you that you came into this world, died for me, rose for me, and because of your sacrificial love, now my life can be made new. In your name I pray, Jesus. Amen. If you made that decision, we want to celebrate with you today. Our church exists to, to help you in your spirit, spiritual walk at your pace. Do me a favor, shoot me off an email at roy at myapa.ca so I can pray for you, I can support you. I pray this has been helpful, that we can all walk into next week with a hope that will carry us through. Love you guys. We're praying for you. We're here for you in any way we can. Have a great week. God bless.